Hello and welcome to the President's Podcast brought to you by Get French Football News, your home of French football in English. In this extraordinary series, we sit down with French football's power brokers to discuss their journeys into the game and the future of the world's most successful export market of footballing talent. I'm delighted to be joined by FFF and FA registered agent Jennifer Mandelowicz today. Jen has been a qualified football agent since 2003, qualifying at the age of just 22, I might add, uh, with around 16 years of experience in the world of football agency. As the leading female agent voice in the French game, we're delighted to welcome her to the President's Podcast today. Thank you so much, Jen, for coming on. Well, you're welcome. Um, listen, Jen, let's jump straight in. Um, I think uh, we have going to weave in multiple questions from uh, the fans out there today as well. And I want to kickstart with one now from at Creoc. He asks, how did, how did you become an agent and who introduced you to this world? Uh, well, my dad introduced me to this world. Uh, he used to be an agent, so he gave me like uh, the, the the love of the game. So I was with him pretty much uh, all weekend to stadiums and uh, to meetings to meet players. And uh, when I was uh, something like uh, 17, 18, uh, I thought that maybe it could be a career for me. Um, it was very difficult to, to figure myself uh, as an agent in the future because there are not many women working in the football world. So I decided to go to, to law school first and then see what happened. And uh, I started to yeah pass my license in 2003 and then uh, decided to, to start working. That is incredibly young to, to become a football agent. When you were doing the... Uh exams for, for, for the license and, and stuff. Was that something you were very aware of? Was everybody else around you a bit older? And um, how was that experience? Well, I was uh, I was in law school and uh, in at the same time. So I was studying a lot. Uh, I was in a, doing a master in business uh, law. And at the same time, mm. I was working for the license. So as the license is 50% law also, uh, it was part of the same thing, you know, I was doing everything at the same yeah. time. And uh, yeah, my, my family supported me a lot. But uh, yeah, it was it was tough. And also the day the day that I passed the exam when when you arrive in this uh, big exam center, and you see that you have uh, 300 people, and they all guys, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, <laughs> 40 or 50 years old guys, you're like, what am I doing here? And uh, well, I said, okay, I'm just gonna take it and see what happens. And uh, and yeah, I'm I, I'm very happy to to, to pass it the first time. Yeah, it's a, it's an incredible achievement. Okay, so you're 22. You've just passed uh, the, the exam to be an FFF licensed agent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what happens next? <laughs> uh, was it was it that uh, your dad was <laughs> still working at the same time? Um, and, and, and therefore no, you can't no, work with no. his clients, or did you go off on your own? No, uh, I passed the exam, but I didn't start working, uh, immediately. I wanted to finish my, uh, my exam at, uh, at uh, law, at law school at university. And when I, yeah. uh, I finished, I said, okay, what am I doing now? Am I trying to work in, uh, 
in a, in an office or what am I doing? Because I have the license, but I have no players. And my dad is not helping me at all right now because he's retired. So I need to, to, to start with a, like very small. And so I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing law school and then we'll see. And when I finished, well, I said, I have to start from somewhere. So I started yeah. to, 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 yeah, to connect with the people I knew when I was uh, like a teenager with my dad, but everybody was retiring because <laughs> everybody was pretty much his age. So it didn't help yeah. me. So then I, I said, okay, well, what an agent is doing is, uh, is, is uh, working with players. So I need to find my players. And I started like that, you know, going to games the old way. And uh, when you find a good one, you go and uh, and you try to, to convince him that he's, he needs uh, someone to help him in his career. And uh, the first one and then the second one and the third one and goes like that. The first one must be the hardest, though, Jen, because, you know, you're, one of the arguments that agents make all the time is, you know, I've experienced placing, you know, players in the Bundesliga yeah. or placing in England. You know, when you came, uh, you know, watched those, those first few games and, and, and were trying to convince players to, to join you, you had no, you had you'd sort of no exper- experience ultimately to say, yeah, I've yeah. done this before. So tell us a little bit yeah. about your, your first client and, and, and how that process went of convincing him or her. Well, you have two, you have two options when you start. The first one is to lie. That's what 90% <laughs> of agents are doing. Like, I've, I've been there. I did that. Uh, I rent a, a car for an hour and uh, I, I, I wear all my jewelry at the same time. And I'm telling you that I'm going to put you to Real Madrid in two years. That's the first option. Yeah. I decided not doing that. So I told him, okay, yeah. like, uh, you're 16 years old. Um, I know that everybody must contact you or contact your, your, your parents. Let me get a, an appointment with your parents. So I met the parents. I told them, you need something different. You need someone with a legal background. You need someone who is not very, who has not strong relationship with the club to, to defend you and to be very, like, uh, effective and, uh, and work only for you and not only for, for you and, uh, and the club. So I said, okay, let's, Give it a try. We can do it like one year, a one year contract. If I have a one year contract, I deliver and you're happy. We can go, we can go for a, a longer contract. If you're not, well, you can move and, uh, and that's, that's what I started. And, uh, well, it was, uh, it was okay. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the player was, uh, 16 years old and, uh, he, he signed his first uh, professional contract just the, the season after. And after that, Everything was uh, was done, and you know it's a very small world. So when one client is happy, uh, it's not a problem then to 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 contact his friends and uh, and he speaks and say, yeah, she, she's doing a, a good job for me. I'm happy for now. So yeah, you can go, you can go with her, no problem. Yeah, it's that sort of thing where you know dressing room talk is 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 often I think yeah. it's a misconception for fans. They don't realize that actually. Yeah, players do speak quite a lot about who they're being represented by and do compare notes quite a lot. Um, so as you say, if, if, if it goes well, all of a sudden, you know, potentially, you know, and it's you talk to his friends and if his it friends goes not well. Friends. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Everybody knows Yeah. Who was this individual, if you don't mind me asking, and are you still in touch with him today? Uh, it was uh, Axel and Gondo. 
and yep. um, he was in hand at the time. And uh, well, yeah, we still we're not talking anymore because he he, he decided to change representation some years ago. And uh, well, to be honest. I don't think his uh, career benefited a lot from this change for now, <laughs> but uh, no. things happened, you know. Yeah, he was he was front on the twenties or front on the twenty ones, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, front, uh, yeah, yeah. He won the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I think now he's in Turkey, I think, or something. Uh, no, and now he's back. back in Auxerre. <laughs> yeah, ah, <laughs> where okay. I put him uh, on loan when, uh, years ago, but he decided to come back to France, and I think it's a it's a good move for him because uh, Turkey was not a, a good choice. But that's another story. Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah let's <laughs> maybe move past Turkey. It's been a controversial topic of conversation this week already in trouble. <laughs> um, Okay, fantastic. Uh, I think that's really helpful in terms of people trying to understand how you begin and and, and what goes on. So in terms of a, a season-by-season basis, Jen, what does that look like for you? How many games are you going to typically a week? Uh, well, I watch a lot of games uh, from home uh, first. And um, yeah. I'd say I, were, I watch almost all the games for second divisions and uh, and and league A. Uh, also, I'm watching a lot of championship, Premier League, and the the Dutch Championship too. So I'm going myself to games, let's say three three games a week, on the weekend mostly. Yeah. And I also have a team of scouts doing this for me because <laughs> I can't be everywhere. No, absolutely. So tell me how that uh, works and how that came about. Was it essentially as you grew, as you had more players on your books, you're able to contract out scouts? I presume they're not direct employees, or is it just sort of you work with scouts on a kind of more of a contractual basis? Well, the scouts are all independent, uh, and yeah. uh, I, I'm, pay, I'm paying them. In, it depends on how many games they can see, uh, how the reports look like, and things like that. But you know, you have to do that because uh, I live in Paris. Uh, I, I'm traveling a lot, and I, I don't want to miss an area. You know, if you go to uh, to, to north of France, you have incredible talent. South of France, yeah. you have incredible talent. And uh, th- th- that's something we have to do. And sometimes, you know, you scout for weeks and you don't find any talent. But that, that's the game and that's how it is. And you have to, to pay people for, 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 for their work. But that's an investment, you know. And uh, yeah. sometimes, yeah, after two or three months, uh, you see one, one kid that no one sees before. And you're very happy that you sent someone to this shitty game in the middle of nowhere. And, well, that's... Uh, that's good. Then we have to do that. But also, I am traveling a lot to see my own players, so I can't scout myself. So when the scout yeah. says, "Okay, I've seen this uh, this boy two or three times. I think he should come," then I come. But uh, they have to do like uh, uh, a lot of work before. Then I, I come and I say, "Okay, maybe we should try with this one." Sure. And was it through this sort of? Uh, way of working that you stumbled ac- across Thomas Bazier of uh, Nantes. For those of you who don't know at home, this is uh, a very exciting young French teenage central defender. 
uh, I don't remember how how we met actually. I think it's because uh, I had another play. I have another player in Nantes. But you know, as I told you, it's a small world. People are contacting you, mm-hmm. say, okay, this one is not happy with his agent, or he's looking to to change representation, and that's that's like that. You know, I don't have like a a method that I apply to everyone. It's like uh, every situation is different. Every way yeah. that you meet a player is different. So there's no that. Well, nothing is uh, is like the the player before, you know. It changes all the time. For sure. Would would someone like Thomas, who quite clearly has, you know, I'm, I'm presuming, but it, it, based on everything that I hear from 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 people in and around the French game, has a lot of interest already from from clubs who are watching him very very closely. How do you manage that expectation of actually? You know, potentially admiring glances from clubs that are maybe in a different country uh, and their interest there versus you know what is potentially a more stable option of staying in the club that you have been growing as a youth prospect. I know he got some minutes under coach Vaid, um and not not yet properly uh, under the Christian Gorkouf era here at Nantes. But um, just talk to me a little bit about that sort of I guess it's a kind of paradox, if you will, this idea of actually interest is really good for an agent and clubs abroad could, could, you know, make, make a complete change in terms of how the way in which the player is looked at from kind of every level, uh, versus the risks that obviously come with a move so early. Well, the problem is uh, that it's it's the same for every every young talented player in France. We are the I think one of the best country for for, for uh, with academies and and young players. So as soon as the player is in national team, uh, you have every team basically every team in the UK, uh, Bundesliga, yeah. uh, big clubs like uh, Red Bull. Everybody's after everybody, but. You need to find a balance, uh, and it depends on the on the um, on the player's expectations, short term and and long term. Because, well, you have two options. Well, it's am I leaving or am I staying, waiting for my chance? And the problem is that in France, in some clubs, not every club, but some clubs, they don't understand that they need to make the players play very early if they want to keep them, because. After that, you have uh, some kind of frustration growing, and well, it's a it's a business, you know. So everybody earns from making a young player play. He's playing in Ligue 1. You can sell him for a good price, and everybody's happy. But if you're not doing that, or if you're not clever enough to loan your player to Ligue 2 or a smaller club, well, what is happening is that he's growing up. He's getting older. And from, for now, a, a player who's 20, 21, 22 is not considered as a very young prospect for, for, for foreign clubs. So the, the big clubs, they are here now for players who are 15, 16, 17 years old. And that, that's, yep. 
what we face now. So they understood that they can get a player almost for free or for just compensation fees uh, if they take him at uh, at 16 years old. So why why wait, you know? And uh, sometimes it's it, it's a very bad situation because who can say that a 16 years old, even if he's very very talented, can make it abroad and it's very complicated, but when they see that someone uh, who's 21, who's 22, who's in a in national team, but he's playing with the reserve team of his club, yeah, so am I going to be with him? Why wait? Why stay here? Because I won't have my chance. So, okay, let's do it. I'm leaving. I'm 16, and we see what happens, and if it goes bad, I came back to France. But I, I can come back to France, right? So... Yeah. That's that's a very complicated situation for, for for agents too because you know how this is. We are blamed all the time. Like yeah, they're sending young players abroad just to take their agent fees and they don't care about uh, about the career. But it's not always always like that. Sometimes you have like three, four, five examples of very very talented players who have no game time in first team and how do you want to convince a young one who's 15 or 16 to stay if he sees that every day at training yeah. the player is here and 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 uh, uh for uh, in the best case he's on the bench in the weekend so how do you manage that that's very very complicated and i think the clubs have a, a responsibility when you hear them crying all the time yeah the the premier league is a, is a, is attacking us yeah and they're taking our young ones yeah but come on you have the best academy in the world and uh, and you are buying like 28 years old players from brazil what are you doing yeah yeah I want to just correct myself for the for those listening at home. Thomas Bazier is obviously twenty now, no longer a teenager. Um, just specifically on him, Jen, because we got a few questions about him. What is his sort of growth path? What's he looking to do? I know he's under contract until twenty twenty one at the moment. Well, to be honest, his his expectations is uh, are to play with with Nantes in first team, and uh, it yeah. always has been that. And when he did, he did very well. So yes, uh, frustration is is growing, and it's the same for for all the players uh, who are in this situation. Because in the meantime, you can see that in several clubs in France, you can be 17 years old and and play. So you question well, yeah, I mean, yourself. Yeah. You're questioning. Yeah. You're questioning you look at, your your agent too, also because uh, yeah. To 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 be honest, uh, I'm still under contract with Thomas, but uh, I'm not sure it's gonna last long because when you have some kind this level of frustration, uh, I think sometimes the players that they, they're just looking for excuses and uh, they're blaming everyone. But the, the thing is, in his case, he's he's a very good player, and in non for now. When he did, when he played, he played very well. So his his time will come. I'm very sure of that because uh, uh, he he has the level, the the quality, everything to play. But he needs to be patient, and um, that that's what sometimes the players they they don't understand that. What do you do as an agent in a situation like this, Jen? Where, as you say, you're feeling maybe a little bit the pressure because no no move really transpired in summer. Not probably said, oh, we want to keep him, but now he's not really playing. Um, you know, do, do do you try and speak to the to, to the to the board of a club in that instance, the manager? How does an agent try and unblock that situation? 
Well, you have to to find options. So, okay, he's not playing. So, do you want him to be? Uh, are you open to discussion for a transfer? Are you open to discussion for a loan? What do you expect? Uh, you have to speak to everybody because if you if you just shut down and wait, nothing is going to happen. So, but it's every club is different. But uh, yeah, you have to find uh, you have to find solutions for the player because as he's uh, getting one year older, like 21, 22, yeah, you have a 16 or 17 years old player starting in mid oh, and these ones are getting now all the attention. So that's that's how it goes. Yeah, it's something I've heard. It's very interesting what you're saying here about Thomas's case, but it's something I've heard maybe about 20, 25 different cases in the last six weeks because. Actually, this Eduardo Camavinga effect yeah. of a 16-year-old all of a sudden basically running the midfield in in Rennes. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know at home, Eduardo Camavinga, I'm sure you have heard of him if, if you follow everything that we do. But uh, the young midfielder has broken through at the age of 16 and is now starting for, for the young club Rennes. You know, young players are looking at that. As you say, the people in the 2021 mark, and they're going, I'm like nearly half a decade older than this guy. and Actually, all of a sudden, he's got Europe at his feet because because Ren took that chance on him. You know, just a period of five straight games is now all it takes in in, in the first team, uh, and I think Thomas definitely deserves that. So it'll certainly be one to watch. I just want to go back to some some questions from uh, some of the fans. NY Hammer Two asks, "Do you actually enjoy football, Jen? Because <laughs> you're watching so many matches. You you're going to three games a week." You know, does it get? Do you ever get sick of it? Yeah, a lot because uh, I'm not watching good games. I'm watching all the games, and when you yeah. sometimes, you know, of course, you you're watching Champions League. Yeah, you enjoy it, but uh, me, it is it's a job for me. It's not uh, like a passion or or it's not for my 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 own pleasure that I'm watching it like. Every, every, every weekend. So, no, uh, of course, when I, and also I change my way to watch the game. I'm not just enjoying what's happening. I'm watching specifically someone or something. Yeah. So it's, I'm not, I'm not looking at a, a, a game like I did uh, 15 years ago. It's not the same. But yeah, well, sometimes you see, of course, they, they, they are great games and you enjoy it. And also at the stadium, it's, it's, it's way better than, uh, than the, the White Scout, <laughs> the White Scout games and, or, 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 or the match streaming, you know. But, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it depends. It really depends. But yeah, uh, when you see so much, of course, you don't enjoy it like, uh, like other people. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd encourage you guys at home. I get a question a lot of, oh, but how, how do managers and agents and, and, and scouts watch football matches? Go to a football match, doesn't matter what level of quality, and watch just one of the 22 players on that pitch for half an hour. <laughs> and then you'll understand <laughs> what it's like <laughs> to go. And, no, but it, it's interesting, right, Jen? Because I think if, you know, for people at home, if you've never done that before, you know, for, for me, I find that a very interesting exercise, but it's a completely different way of watching a football match, right? It com- if you if you can get into that mentality, it's a completely different way of of looking at football because it, it becomes about you know it becomes far more about positioning, about movement, 
about the extent yeah. to which that individual is active with his teammates. It's sort of, you know, you're, as, 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 a, as a scout or an agent, you're looking at 50 or so different sort of attributes and things of, of, of a single player at one point. Um, so, you know, it, it becomes much more of a, a sort of, I guess, an academic exercise, is that fair to say? Yeah, it is. It is. But, you know, sometimes you come for a specific player, you watch everything, body language and uh, techniques and everything. And that's another one that you like on the pitch. So you have to change everything yeah. that, that, that was planned. So, yeah, it's a, it, it's not like uh, I'm watching 90 minutes and I see who's doing well. It's not like that. It's like I'm watching this specific game to see some, speci- some specific things. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's... It, it's work, you know. It's not a. Uh, it's not fun. Yeah, I, I want to dive in now, Jen, to sort of strategy as you grow as an agent and developing what yeah. is essentially a unique, a kind of unique selling point. Um, I think it's fair to say, and correct me if, if you feel this is wrong, that you have carved out somewhat of a, a niche for yourself by working with very young French talent and bringing them to academies in the Premier League. So that has been a source of success yeah. for you, whether it's Manchester City with David Coppola and then Thierry Ambrose, um, and, and now also working with some, some talents at Southampton. Did that very quickly become your obvious route to kind of carving out your sort of unique selling point? Well, it was, uh, I realized pretty early that, um, let's say, Old agents in France, they have a problem with language. You know, they don't speak English. They don't have very, a lot of connections in the UK. They just do their thing here in France. Young player, he signs first professional contract in France. And then when a transfer comes, yeah, they, they, they have to travel, uh, uh, and, uh, and try to, 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 to make people understand what they want. So, yeah. At first, it's not, it, it wasn't my decision. It's like clubs came to me, uh, because, mm. uh, they, they, we were in touch for, for, for several young players, as I told you before. Now the, everybody's after young talent from 14 years old to, to 17. So they came to me because I had this type of, uh, of players. And, and then, you know, the, uh, yeah, a trust a relationship grow and, uh, and you, you understand that you can really help them because then you then when you know the situation with agents in France that uh, everybody's saying that uh, they are an agent when they're not that they represent players when they don't uh, this kind of club they need someone they can rely on so yes I've yeah. done a lot of uh, a lot of, uh, of of work with uh, with this kind of club but I'm also doing a lot of intermediary work for them, uh, for players that I don't represent, but they need someone sure. here to represent them. And uh, also with uh, now the Brexit coming, a lot of clubs are very, very interesting, interested in um, in growing partnership with French clubs because they don't know what's going to happen in the future, in the next seasons. We don't know how Premier League will no. be. Uh, treat it in the, with, with the Brexit question. So they are trying to, to, to grow relationship with, uh, with clubs here. So maybe to, to, to have like a partnership agreement or things like that. And that's also what I do for them because they, they need someone here to explain how a French club can benefit from a partnership with a, with a Premier League club. And, um, that's 
also a lot of uh, of what I did this summer. Are you sensing almost total panic among English clubs about the Brexit situation? It's not something that's talked about much in the media, but this constant basically having no clue what's going to happen must be something that's really freaking them out. It depends. You have uh, two two ways. Uh, let's say half of the clubs are, are, yeah, they are panicking. They don't know what's going to happen. They also are very, very careful on uh, on approaching players from abroad now because they don't know what they can offer them, really. Uh, like next season, mm-hmm. we don't know. So, yes, we are monitoring you. you. We are interested, but... There's nothing we can write down or commit right now because we don't know what the regulations will be. So that's, that's something. You have also the uh, 50 other percent of the club that say, okay, nothing is done now. So let's proceed like we did before and we'll see. And, uh, you know, we are the Premier League and uh, we yeah. know that uh, even if the regulations are, are changing for everybody, that won't apply to us because we're so powerful that something will come and they, they can't, like, kill uh, the, the, the best championship in the world. So you have two, two, two different ways of seeing Brexit coming. But... Even here, we don't know, you know, because uh, when a, a club is contacting you and saying, okay, maybe we can speak for next season or what's the situation? Yeah, that's a question because uh, what's the point in starting to, 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 to talk and, uh, and to speak about, uh, about contracts if in uh, three or four months, well, we, we still don't know what the situation will be. So that's why a lot of them are getting prepared they're trying to buy clubs uh it can be uh, a lot of uh can be in france can be in um in holland a lot of clubs are, are are thinking about doing that because they think that if they have another club somewhere in the in the uk they can always find their players there and they don't have to be like uh players from the from the english club they can be a players from their sister club so We'll see yeah. what happens. But, uh, yeah, that's a lot of questions for now. Yeah, it's like, uh, I know, I remember Manchester City last year flirting quite heavily with possibly, you know, uh, getting Toulouse involved in, in the overall City group. Um, I actually don't know where that is now, but it's it's an, it's very interesting to hear that and uh, I think something that the listeners will be very interested in. So thank you for that, Jen. Um, I want to move on to, to what it's like to lose a player who has been on your books. Of course, that's happened to you. It yeah. happens to every agent. Yeah. Is it usually <laughs> amicable or, or can it get quite nasty? Well, to be honest, I have three trials right now <laughs> ongoing. <laughs> so, yeah. no, it's not amicable. <laughs> so, uh, no, it's not. Well, it can be. It can be because uh, when people are doing things right, there's no problem. You know, we're not attached for life it's not a like a mm. marriage you know so you have a contract it's a two years contract no problem with that if at the end of the contract you're unhappy there's no problem you, yeah i wish you good luck what i don't accept is like i'm working for you i'm i have a lot of expenses i i do my my job i do what i have yeah. to do and then uh, uh i wake up one morning and i see that you are with uh, w- with another agent and then you sign without even telling me so no, that that it's just you know to when 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 I decide to go on trial with um, 
with a player for this reason is not to get money back because uh, you know you never get the money back what you what you invested but it's just to teach yeah. them a lesson like you, you you can't you can't do that and it's also a way for me to make other agents understand that don't come in my way or you get in trouble then but it, it happens to everybody you know and that's how it is because you can't we know now that a player won't stay with you all his career it's it almost never happened but you have to do the things right yeah, absolutely. So you're currently engaged in three sets of legal proceedings against former clients or or agents who yeah. uh, who basically uh, yeah uh, clients and 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 the agents who post them. So yeah, it's it's like that, you know. It's a uh, it's life. It, it doesn't like I'm not even angry or anything. It's just like you need to respect me for what I did. And if you're if you want to change, no problem. But just come to my face and tell me, okay, I'm not happy. I want to change or or this I'm not happy with, and we, we can always discuss. But it's football, you know, and uh, and and it's like that. You you have a a lot a lot a lot a lot of people who want to be agents. A lot of people who want to make money quickly, and uh, and they, they come to your player and they say, I can do this for you. I can do this for you. Your agent is bad. And sometimes when you're in a difficult situation, when the the player is open because. He feels bad for a reason. He's not playing or something like that. Yeah, he has, he's he's listening to to people. You have also family. Family is uh, is always a target for for agents. Like uh, they're coming to a dad, they're coming to a mother, to a brother, and yeah, and it's like that. And you receive a a, a, a three sentence letter saying, uh, "Okay, I'm I'm breaking my contract with you." Bye bye. No, that it's it's not something you can do, especially when it happens during the transfer window, when you contact the club, you are with ongoing negotiations, and uh, you decide to change just in the middle of uh, of July. That's not something yeah, well, I, mean, I can accept. It's 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 also embarrassing for the agent, right? You know, you you, you say you contact yeah. uh, ten clubs or whatever. You know, you're you're in talks yeah. with three or four about this player, and then you know, ultimately the agent is the one that looks stupid because all of a sudden that that person's no longer your player, and it looks like you can't control your own client. Yeah, um, which it is, happens all the time. It's, it's like yeah. that, but uh, well, now I'm used to it. I'm not saying that uh, I was back in the day, but now I'm, I'm I'm used to it. And to be honest, sometimes. That's what I do. <laughs> I have to contact clients, you know, and they are, they, they, they have a represent, uh, they have an agent and I have to tell them, okay, w- this I can offer you and he can't. So what are we doing? And that, that's just a market, you know, so it's normal, but, uh, you need to, to, to do the things by the book, by the law. And, uh, if it's done like that, no problem, but I don't accept that uh, someday you just, don't pick up your phone and I receive a, a letter after two or three years of, uh, of good work. Yeah. Well, it's also the personal relationship, right? You know, if you have been working with someone for two or three years, it becomes more than just the sort of, obviously they're a client first and foremost, but you know, there is a naturally a sort of friendship that forms there as well. Yeah. Especially when you work with young players, you know, when you meet a player at yeah. 16, you, you are, it's not just like I'm, I'm, I'm negotiating your contract. It's, it has nothing to do with that. It's like I'm helping you growing up as a man. We have a, a very strong bond and I'm helping you in, in every aspect of your life. And just one day for no reason, 
you you just decide to to change or just for because someone promised you and and what is really 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 upsetting is that in 90% of the cases when the players they left and then they regretted it so because it was it was lies it was uh, yeah i can put you there and doing that for you and when when they did when they left well nothing happened so yeah that's yeah. that's life you know it's going to teach them a lesson for the future for sure uh I, you touch on families in french football and yeah. I think it is undeniable that some of even the most high-profile players uh, have made huge career mistakes because they've allowed people who simply aren't qualified to influence their transfer decisions. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think of, for example, and, but it's difficult, right? Because a lot of the times, those family members are the only constant that these people have had in their lives. You know, it's a lot of sacrifice as a teenager. You spend basically years potentially not having a real social life or a normal life of a 13, 14 year old constantly traveling across France from academy to academy. Or if you're lucky enough to, to be settled in a single academy, you know, you don't have a normal school life, etc. Um, and we've seen quite high profile examples of, of of families being involved, meddling, and, and things going wrong. Obviously, Nebuchadnezzar Kiers failed move to Liverpool, and last summer was yeah. uh, one that was that, that, that stands out. But you know, had N'Golo Conte not been the exceptional footballer that he was, and had Arsenal been the only side interested in uh, 2016, I believe, when uh, he moved from Leicester to Chelsea, his uncle, who all of a sudden comes in, who was only experienced previously, is running a college business um you know it's these sort of things that can can make or break a career what do you do when you're considering approaching a player you know is this something that you try to take into your thinking actually if this could this if i try and sign this player this could cause me more trouble than it's worth because i can see that the family's very very hands-on want to be involved and ultimately want a payday at the end of it well, of course, that's something I, I consider, but um, it, it depends because when you when you meet the family, you you know what to expect, you know. So you have a supporting family, which is uh, the, the 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 most important thing. It's normal, you know. We're talking about kids, so of course the parents yeah. are here. The, the the parents are are always uh, taking consideration in in terms of everything, in terms of contract, in terms of, of club. It's it, it's the law, you know. The, the the player is a minor, yeah. so we have to. They, they they have to agree on everything. But there's a big difference in agreeing as a parent and agreeing as uh, some of kind of agents, you know. Because now yeah. the situation is that fathers and brothers they ask for their own commission, so their own agency. So that's something well, I, I I decided to stop working with one players for this reason because okay I can understand that uh, a mother is concerned about school about everything and the parent the parents they need to be they need to be very close to their son and it helps them to to to, to mm. grow as a a, a a good athlete but when it's too much it's gonna break the career anyway so I don't want to waste my time with this kind of people because at the end of the day you are speaking with clubs you are doing your job and these kind of people, they come 
and and they can break everything. They can break everything. And also for the for the image, the player has a very very bad image when something like that happens. It happened to me. You know, one young player signed a very very interesting contract in a in a club, and the father <laughs> was here at the at the meeting for the signing, and he asked one million euros just for himself. So I said. Okay, no, but nothing is, uh, we, we never spoke about this before. Yeah, but uh, I decided right now that I want 1 million euro for myself. And what do you do? You're in front of a, of a sports director. The contracts are here. Everything is done. Everything's negotiated. And someone is asking 1 million euros for himself as the dad. What for? Uh, what's the, what's the reason? And she said, yeah, but uh, that's my son. So I can ask for whatever I want. And you know, it, it, he didn't get nothing, but he tried. And it's it's mm. it's shocking that uh, it's your son. It's not uh, it, 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 you. You're not supposed to make money from him if he wants to help you because he has a great contract now. It's it, it's very different. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's disgusting sometimes what you see. We also have the problem with players from Africa. You know, when uh, when they come to Europe with a very very good wages, they have to pay for everything, for everything uh, back in their country, which is normal yeah. because uh, I, I totally understand that. But there is a big difference in helping and uh, people coming and pressuring you every day to give all you have. And, and that's because the player is working hard and at the end of the month, he got nothing. And he's embarrassed to say that, yeah, I had to send everything. So that's also a problem. But yeah, the entourage uh, family is a, is a nightmare for an agent. It can also be a great help when the family is very healthy and uh, and everybody's uh, helping the players the best they can. But it can be a nightmare, really. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think of, you know, yeah, we can't pay one or the other. There's constant, uh, I think, desire in the media because they're two very easy targets, you know, greedy family or greedy agent. And actually, you know, it, yeah. it doesn't really, it doesn't really work like that. And there's some very good examples of both, you know, as much as their families who, you know, do, do just put their son, son's or daughter's careers in complete danger. You look at, for example, Kiki Mbappé's parents, um, you know, who yeah. have been, you know, tough on him, but actually really kept him just just well well surrounded by people that are conducive to his success um okay fantastic well uh, moving moving a little bit on um jen we talked about young players in france getting frustrated that they're not getting chances in their league and league the first teams who maybe go to the premier league and, and obviously you've been involved in, in in several deals that have done that but at the end of the day, I think of David Coppola and, and Thierry Ambrose, and you know, it's, it's fair to say that ultimately they weren't able to make it in uh, in the clubs that they go to. Would you say that the benefit then is actually better to go to one of a club like Man City, where the academy, in terms of the quality of facilities, is so high, where the visibility of the player is even higher on the international stage that? If, for example, that player was never going to develop into a regular Ligue 1 player, regular league, uh, even regular top half of Ligue 2 player, at least they have the visibility at that point for clubs across Europe. Because, you know, obviously uh, Thierry has been on loan in the Netherlands and then uh, did very well at Lens in, in Ligue 2 and, and now is 
obviously moved to to Mets, where he's yet to feature prominently. But I'm 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 hopeful and and sure he'll get his chance at some point this season. David Fopala, for example, has unfortunately had had one of those stop start early starts to a career where he's essentially fallen off the French football map. Yeah, but first, it's two different situations, uh, two complete different situations. But to getting back to David, for example, you can't uh, analyze the situation in terms of opportunities or in terms of what City offered him. What you have to understand is that at the end of the day, it's the the work that the player does every day at training that will make the difference or not. And the problem yeah. is that for young players leaving uh, a small club like Lens, um, when he when he signs to Manchester City, they never they never 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 lie to us saying, yeah, you're a player for first team. When he signed, they say you're a player for uh, we signed you for the EDS. And if you do well, if you do well, you will get your chance. And they're not liars, you know, and so, uh, okay, that was the deal. So he's coming, he's working hard, and, uh, but, you know, life is changing. You are in, uh, in Manchester, money is coming, uh, you're training, uh, you're doing well, you know, they, they, they pick you with the first team, you're training with Aguero, and you think you are Aguero, and you're not. And <laughs> I'm trying to wake you up and tell you, okay, okay, now you need to work twice harder because, yeah, if you want to go on loan somewhere, or if you want to, uh, to, 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 to be with City first team, you have to, you have to work more. But yes, you're spending the money, you are in the big city, girls are here, and, uh, and, and yeah, gradually you, you, you lose it, you know, and, uh, that's what happened with David. He, he's a very good guy, a good kid, but he didn't understand what it takes to make it in a in a club like that. I told him before, but it's it's always complicated to, to make them understand that. Okay, you got your first contract, but it's nothing, you know. It's really nothing. You have to go and chase for the second yeah. one and the third one and the fourth one. And when people they don't understand that he played with first team against Chelsea, he scored and he thought like, okay, I'm good. I'm in Manchester City, one in the best club in the world. And uh, I, I scored in my first game with the first team, and now I'm okay and I can rest. But no, it's like you can't rest at all. That's just the beginning of the of the work. So that's what happened to David. And unfortunately, no club or no agent can push you to work hard if you don't want to do it. That you can't. Uh, he was on loan in uh, in NAC. He was then on loan in Chesterfield, and he didn't understand that. Yeah, that's the start of his career and he has to show what he can do because nobody has time. Manchester City has no time to waste on, on, on average player and, and no club has time to, to wait for David Fopala to wake up. That's the problem we face. For Thierry, it's very different. Uh, he went to Manchester City when he was a young player and we had them, um, uh, since I worked with him, a very, very clear plan, a very clear career plan. So we decided that he had to do one year in, in MAC because it was very good championship. He played all the games with them. Uh, he played as a nine. He scored a lot. He played against uh, very, very strong teams. And after that, he wanted to come back to France. So we choose, um, let's say, uh, an average club so he can have some game time in Lens. 
that's what he did. And uh, after two good seasons at professional level, he's now in League 1. So that that that's two different ways. And uh, I think Thierry is more... He's going to, 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 to have a great career if he understands that he needs to, to continue doing what he does right now. Because, uh, every, every year, you know, it was, uh, it was best than the, than the last one. And that, that's yeah. a Man City project, you know. Uh, we know that for now he's not ready to play Manchester City first team. Nobody's lying about that. He knows that. City knows that. And I know that. But he, he has the opportunity to join, yeah, one of the, best club in the world he has a very good contract he has a lot of opportunities from that and uh yeah he, he he's doing his uh his own thing and i think it's a uh, it's a uh, he's progressing and uh, we'll see what this season does but uh i'm i'm pretty confident he, he'll do a great one yeah it's interesting what you say there on mentality making all the difference uh because actually and again, something that I think is, is hard to understand as a fan is that the the level of ability, the baseline level of ability of everybody who is in a position whereby Manchester City will pick up the phone and say, yes, we would like to take a chance on you in a development squad, is very close, right? You know, the, the baseline ability yeah. of all those players from a physical perspective and a technical perspective is nearly, not, may, maybe not completely, but nearly the same. What makes that difference between a, a generational talent, a, a world-class player, and, and a sort of very, very good player can be, you know, unbelievable elements of, of technical ability, but it's far more likely to be mentality. It's far more likely to be, can you get up every single day and do the work that needs to be done? Can you actually ensure that 50% of the money that you get from your first professional contract goes straight in the bank? Can you ensure that when you get to a new place, you're not spending it on things that, that maybe make you short-term happy or impress your friends back home or look good on an Instagram story. And when you combine those things with the fact that, you know, the, this kind of generation, the 16 to 24-year-old generation, because of various things like social media and technology, they have a shorter attention span than any football-playing generation before it. But those are challenges that are, are becoming even bigger from from ensuring that a young player has the correct mentality, and and so I think that was that was really interestingly illustrated uh, by yourself there, Jen, between Footballer and Ambrose. Uh, but of course, you know, we wish them both very very best of luck for this season, and 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 yeah. for hopefully many more to come. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Jen. Well, thanks so much for the, for your time so far today. We've just got a couple more questions that come from fans, yeah. so we'll just rattle through these. Um, at Quasi Assad asks, how much would you have to, uh, how much would you pay rather to represent Lionel Messi? I won't pay anything. He has to pay <laughs> to be with me. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's good. Um, at Stupendous asks, do football players have control of what's said about them by their agents, or are agents allowed to speak freely about their clients in public? I think what he's referring to is, is there sometimes a, a clause in a contract between an agent and a player relating to what can or can't be said in public? No, no, there's no clause like that in my contract anyway. But uh, of course, you are working together. You know, you know what you say and what 
to not say. And uh, also sometimes, you know, the communication is controlled because uh, sometimes you just give an interview just before the transfer window or sometimes you just chasing for an extension and you know exactly what you're saying and when to say it. But uh, no, the, the player yeah. doesn't doesn't control. Uh, it's more the other way around. I need to know, and this is in my contract, when my player is going to give an interview to who and what's going to be said. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense and, and, and very interesting insight there. At Top Bin underscore football with what I think is a, a very good question, do you think there is going to be a shift in players and agents pushing to actually be in a situation more and more of free agency because the signing bonus is better for both? Can you say it again? Sorry, I didn't understand. Sure. Do you think there's going to be an increasing shift towards players and their agents strategically working so that the player ends up being a free agent? Because when a player ah, is a free okay. agent, the signing bonus is better for both. Yeah, that that's uh, an interesting question. Um, of course, when we can, that's what we do. But it's getting more and more complicated to do that because you know how this works. When uh, when you only have one year or two seasons left on your contract, the, your club is always pressuring you to, to find an extension. And if you don't sign the extension, you don't play. And if you don't play, even if you're going to be a free agent in one season, nobody will want you. So yeah. that's just how it is. And that's also a big problem for uh, young players also because uh, you have now the trend of uh, I'm not signing my first professional contract with my academy because I want to leave freely for, for an English club or a German club. And now the clubs, they, they understood that and they come one or two seasons earlier than before just to secure that the player can't leave freely. So, yes, that's... Um, in theory, that's something we we all want, but uh, it's nothing you can't do it. You, almost all of the time, the the clubs now are very aware of the contractual situations of every player, and they they put so much pressure on them to get an extension, even one season, that it's almost impossible to to to, to be a free agent. Yeah, for sure. At Sunan one asks. At what stage during a transfer negotiation do agent fees get mentioned? Well, me, the way I do it, I, uh, agent fees, it depends. Because if it's in front anyway, you know that uh, it's, uh, it's 10% max and that's it. Yeah. If you're doing it abroad, uh, the, the, the agent fees are more flexible. But that's something we discuss just after everything is settled with the player, uh, because uh, when his contract is okay, signing fee is okay, duration is okay, wages, everything, because uh, the, the, the agencies are a separate negotiation. Also, now with um, the dual representation agreement, the players know how much you make from uh, from, uh, from from the deal. So that you can't like. Um, negotiate an average contract and ask for big agencies that's not it, it, it has to be uh equal you know uh if if you got a big contract i got a big uh, i got a big fee but um now that yeah. all the players they pretty much know how much you make because they have to sign this dual representation agreement so they know uh it's just the last step of a negotiation 
sure. At Cruz CFC12 asked a pretty meaty question. He goes, how are agents like Mina Raiola and Kia Jobchon seen amongst your peers? Role models or just attention seekers? <laughs> I, I know that's a dangerous question, so <laughs> if you want to take a couple seconds. Uh, believe me, nothing <laughs> is dangerous for me. Uh, no, to, to be honest, it's, it, it's no role models, but no attention seeker too. Everybody's doing what he thinks he has to do and uh, as an example you know i was at the at the fifa reunion working on the on the yeah on the next uh, things they want to change for agent and it was pretty much a usual suspect reunion everybody who's uh, who has that we need to blame for everything going wrong in football was in the same in the same room and uh fifa they want now to change everything and uh they, they're not treating the agents as uh as stakeholders at all they just want to force us into their their new regulations and they have to speak with us but they just they, they, they don't they're just they're telling us like okay it's like that now we are going to 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 pay your fees we are going to do this we are going to do that and we have nothing to to say so yeah if uh, if, if if some uh guys are are taken for attention seekers okay no problem but uh you know it's for me it's, everybody's doing what he thinks uh, i can be uh, sometimes uh, treated as an attention seeker too you know people who doesn't like me will say that and uh, i don't care you know i'm just doing my thing how i want to do it and uh yeah. that's all that's what i think i have no no bad uh, relationship with them at all for sure. Let's finish on two on two notes. At the end of a president's podcast, we always like to ask the guests what advice they would give to young people who maybe want to get involved in their area of football. So obviously, in your case, it is football agency. What would you recommend uh, to young people out there who want to be involved in football agency? Don't come. <laughs> don't, don't, don't start. <laughs> You're gonna be exhausted all the time, very stressed. And uh, but you know, uh, I'm just joking. Uh, I think for 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 an agent, the, the most important thing for someone who wants to start in the in this business is um, to how can I say it? Like be prepared. You know, you you can't just wake up one day and say, yeah, I'm gonna be an agent. It seems so easy to make a a, a deal because I know one player. Uh, it's not like that. Be prepared legally. Be, be prepared uh, with the with with, with the club. Uh, be prepared to speak uh, languages. Be prepared to deal with families. Uh, be prepared that your player will leave you at one point, and be prepared that it's gonna be a a, a hard fight. For sure. That's definitely definitely good words of advice for you guys at home. I think uh, what Jen's done well, and uh, I'm not trying to <laughs> compliment her or anything, but to be able to speak multiple languages and also have a legal background, it just ensures that actually, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Jen, but it ensures that you don't have to rely. You want to be in a position as an agent where you rely on other people as little as possible. And therefore, you don't want to have to rely exactly. on an intermediary who speaks the language for you in that certain country so you can do that deal. You don't want to you know, have to necessarily pay a lawyer who uh, has all the expertise that you don't. Um, so that, that's fantastic advice there. And final question, <clears throat> excuse me, final question for you. How do you view the future of agency? You mentioned FIFA 
are trying to enact changes. I think you seem to suggest in, in your last answer that FIFA want to be in a position where they are paying agent fees now. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so they, what, they what want it? to control everything. <laughs> they want to control everything. And uh, honestly, uh, I'm not really comfortable in uh, FIFA getting my money, you know. Okay, we have uh, less yeah. agents in jail than FIFA officials. So <laughs> maybe they should, uh, they should <laughs> treat us as the problem to, to make excuses for their bad decisions. So yeah, they want to control everything. They want to go back to a FIFA exam. They want to go back to uh, control uh, the, the the money. They want to go back to the situation back in the days. But the, this, the, how it worked uh, before they decided not to deal with uh, with agents, it, it didn't work. So mm. I don't understand why they do that. Uh, it's just that, especially in France, uh, it's going to, be, going to be a very complicated question because we are regulated by the law and not uh, only yeah. by uh, our French association. So I don't know how it's going to work in the future, but uh, believe me that FIFA meeting when they explained to us what they're going to do was, was just a joke, you know. It's, uh, we had wonderful slides, wonderful food, and uh, we, co we couldn't <laughs> say anything. Uh, they, they, they didn't uh, ask us what we think about uh, they want to, 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 to reduce the, the, the loans authorized. They didn't ask us what we think about the future of football. We, we, we just hear, uh, they point us as the problem when, when we can be solutions, you know. We do deals all the yeah. time. We know what the problems are. We know what the clubs expect. We know where the pro uh, what to do to to get the situation better, but it's easier for them to say no. Now we're going back to an exam, and uh, you will have to do what they say. Uh, you you will have to re to repass all the exams. We will ha we will have a um, a clearance room where all the commissions will uh, will pass through uh, our our clearance room, and then we make the payment. That's what they say. But come on, how can FIFA <laughs> clear? All the all the agencies in the world, it, it, it's crazy, you know. So yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know at all. But uh, from what I see, I think in the, they're going to make their changes, and like they always do in three years, they're going to change their mind completely, and we're going to start from the beginning, from the beginning again. I think that's a pretty accurate uh, way to sum up how the world of agency has worked in the 21st century and a great note to end on. Jen, thanks so much for your time today. I hope you enjoyed You're it. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. And thank you guys at home. Uh, thank you guys at home for listening in. Remember to continue to refresh your podcast feeds for more episodes like this as we travel France and the UK to speak to the most important men and women in the world of French football. Uh, hope you enjoyed this one and see you next time.